All right, what's happening, everybody? Thank you for hanging out with us today. Welcome to the Human Evolution Project. Uh, my name is Ms. Bahawk. I'm here hanging out with Bryce Smith today, um, and we we have a lot going on. We've been uh, we've been working on a lot behind the scenes, uh, not just Human Evolution Project, but other things that we're working on as well. We're excited to kind of share some of what we're reflecting on and gathering, and uh, I think Bryce has um, you know has a has an idea of how he wants to poke me today uh to get some some information out so let's see where this kind of goes um bryce how are you doing today and and what are we going to be diving into you said hey i'm not going to tell you anything more let's hit record and uh let's go into it yep i got a bag of tricks over here today uh honored <laughs> to be here it's been a hot minute since we've hit that record button you and i've been uh working behind the scenes working on some things to enable us to to upgrade our systems and, you know, where I'd like to start the conversation today <clears throat> is around this idea of what I truly believe is the number one skill for entrepreneurs, and that is this concept of delayed gratification. You're working towards something that you can't fucking see. Yeah, and it's scary. In a world of social media presence, it's this thing that you want to see. You want to see the likes, you want to see the views, you want to see all the things and be patted on the back and validated. But when you plant that seed in the garden of entrepreneurship and you're trying to really pursue true value in the world, it takes time. You got to tenderize that soil, you got to water that seed, you got to position it where it's getting the right amount of love and sunlight. You got to talk nice to it. Um, even in those low moments, you know, when, when you can't see it really sprouting, you have to maintain that, that optimism. And so that's kind of what I wanted to chat about to start our conversation. And I've got a few analogies that I'd love to, uh, share with you guys based on some of the experiences that I've come in contact with in the last few weeks. But Misba, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you're somebody who gets steady leads over the last few weeks and these people have a, a generalized vision and you're kind of working behind the scenes to create something that maybe they can't see the totality of the vision right away but you know it's forming and fostering over time oh yeah it's um it's something like you said i personally experienced with just getting those inbound leads. Um, I would say last eight weeks or so, uh, or maybe a little longer, but it's been enough where you're like, Oh, this is coming, like coming out of nowhere. Maybe I got lucky and then it happens again, then it happens again. And then it starts to go up and you're like, Whoa, this is what, this is what it feels like. And you work so hard, I think as a business owner, startup to, um, or even freelancer to like get to a place where you, it's not just about any leads, right? It's about getting leads who are already interested and are already like have this vision and are almost ready to press play. They're just like, they've thought about it enough and now they've reached out. And that delayed gratification, two years, I would say at least, it took two years of me going just hard in this direction where it's like a lot of cold outreach, you know, talking to strangers, like, like a lot of, I mean, there were some inbound leads, right. But like you had to really go out and get business. And I think like, if you're hopefully playing it right, and this is my aim, it's like the longer you're in business, then you don't have to go out and get it as much. And you start to get more just coming to you. And so the what do you same think idea, about this, though, like, 
most entrepreneurs or, or even people in sales in general, they're, they're, they're having to do the cold call game. They're having to do the, the really courageous ask. They're trying to provide their service and they might be really good at the service, but the popularity is not there. The marketing's not there. And so they go out and, you know, the field goal percentage isn't quite there, right? They're, they're shooting these shots and people just aren't sticking, whether that's their delivery, their posture, uh, the track record, the testimonials. I mean, you look at most resumes these days and so many people want like five to 10 years of experience, but quite frankly, in, in this day and age of people job hopping every two years, roughly, you're not seeing that, that longevity with experience, but you are seeing the transferable skills. And so what was it like for you in those first years of building Pod Mahal and building Ms. HQ where, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there and you're like, man, I shot off 35 emails today and got a total of zero responses. Like, how did you mm -hmm. feel in those moments and how did you kind of untangle those thoughts to really keep pushing, even though it was like, man, I'm, I'm trying really hard, but it feels like I'm just in a fishbowl going around in circles. Well, the quick answer is sometimes you just stop and you give up for a little while and you're like, all right, screw this. Right. And then and that's you part have to... of being human, right? Exactly. Like I've had plenty of those. Um, but I think for me, once I realized that I could get a response, because that's also leading back to starting my own podcast and getting guests on uh, in the fitness space, like, I was doing all of that with no audience, no name, like, totally just how do I you know, get the attention of this person and make them not just trick them, but like get them excited enough to want to do this episode with me. And so I, I tested that same, like I knew you had to have a compelling script. If you send a hundred messages that don't elicit anything, right? There's, there's only a couple of variables that could be wrong. Uh, so that's where you start to, the more you do it, the more you figure out those variables. One, you're not sending it to the right people. So you're just like cold calling out of the phone book type situation, which is, uh, if you only have an hour a day to do this, right. And that's the other thing, time, making the time to do this is the hardest part when everything else could take over. But let's just say you're like, all right, I carved out one hour. If you're spending an hour, like chasing leads and sending these you know, beautifully crafted messages or even copy and pasted messages to people who aren't remotely interested. That's a waste of your DM. That's a waste of an email you send out. We, you know, there's limits, right? Like how much we can send out on Instagram per day or emails per day or LinkedIn. So you don't want to waste that slot uh, on your potential roster. And so number one, it's just kind of like, how do I get closer and closer to the right type of person? Because the more that aligns, that's when you start to see the responses like, oh my gosh, I actually have been thinking about this for the last couple months. I've been wanting to start a podcast, but like I got a mic and I never, I never move forward with it. I got too overwhelmed with the editing. Like, uh, it's so funny you reach out. And what was that? It's not like some synchronistic, like woo woo thing that made that happen. It's more so just like, I reached out and this, you know, there's enough people marinating on some of these things at a certain point to where it's like, 
they are waiting for somebody to guide them and help solve this problem. And it took maybe a couple hundred or whatever it is to get to that one person. But if that's a big deal, like that's enough motivation for you to go, let me do another hundred. Hopefully I'll get another one of those. And um, I think you said some really cool things in there. The, the first thing that that perked my attention was was the concept of time. Even if you don't have an hour, it's it's really not focusing on this all or nothing perspective. Oh, if I can't go all in, I'm just not going to do it at all. Man, entrepreneurship isn't like that. You have to be able to have something that pays your bills. You have to have something that enables you the the opportunity to have a steady flow of income so that you're you're providing some sort of value that that gives you a monet, monetization but then simultaneously that monetization helps fuel what makes your heart come alive the thing that's really piquing your interest over here and it's kind of this this relationship in the beginning and i mean rogan talks about it all the time he's like man so many people get stuck, right? They're in that cubicle. They're going to stupid ass HR meetings that they don't want to be at. They're, they're doing things that they don't want to do. And that's because they spend all their time and energy doing that. By the time they get home, they're too tired to work on the thing that really makes them come alive. And so I think it comes down to asking better questions. How bad do you want the thing? Uh, are you willing to sacrifice the time, effort, and energy to really create systems and organize the, the thing that you want? And honestly, you said one other thing that really piqued my interest, and that was, what problem are you trying to solve? And I think by answering that question, that helps narrow your focus around who typically has this problem. Who is my, my prototype for my, my sample customer? And what do they look like? How do they think? What do they search? What is their day-to-day? and trying to information gather certain characteristics that align with their emotion, right? Because you and I both know people don't always buy just on value. They buy based on emotion. And if you can Mm -hmm. help somebody solve a problem or you can help somebody save time so they can focus on the other things that really make them come alive, now you're providing real value. But it's understanding the sequence of these operations and you don't learn that unless you do, right, and fail and put out the calls and the, the emails and the LinkedIn posts and all these different things and then start sitting with it and really trying to study your, your actions and seeing which ones are moving the needle in the right direction. But Alex Hermosi talks about this, and I think you'll be able to relate. <clears throat> you can learn most things in about 20 hours. But so many of us have so much resistance around starting the first hour because of the story we tell ourselves, right? The classic example that you just mentioned, hey, I want to start a podcast. I feel like I have the tools in my toolbox to do so. I've got something that I want to say, but I don't know how to edit it. I don't know the right equipment. I don't know how to position it on certain platforms. I'm probably going to have nobody that listens to it in the beginning because I don't know anything about marketing. And the list goes on and on and on. And ultimately, the secret sauce is dip your toe in the water. 10 minutes a day, foster that, that skill, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a podcast. That's just my, my example. And then over time, 10 minutes becomes 15. 15 becomes 20. And then you're making mistakes. And through the mistakes, you're learning. 
And mm-hmm. I think through those learning opportunities, you're getting skill acquisition, you're getting different learning lessons that are enabling you to upgrade your operating system to then, you know, make it a little bit more seamless, make it a better service, learn across the way. And at the end of the day, if you're learning, you're evolving, you're becoming a more self-actualized human and you're not stagnant, even if that means you never really reach the North Star or that, that end goal, you know, it's through that process that, that you, you become a better version of yourself. I think that's what everybody's really striving for. You know, what are your thoughts on some of that? Well, I think it's about who can stay in the ring the longest. If it's It's like a Royal rumble, you know, if this whole game is like a Royal rumble and whatever you're competing in, where there's 30 people coming in and it's like, who can hang out in here? Some people come in first, they have a disadvantage. Some people come in last and they have a little bit more of an advantage, but ultimately who can end up staying in there and, you know, people get tired, people get hurt, people lose interest. Um, a lot of these things are, and it's the mindset. Cause for me, it, it was a lot of that too. It's like, you make it so big to where you're like, man, I need, I need four hours to like, think about this and work on this. And, you know, you sit down and do it and it took you 15 minutes. Right. So a lot of it is a built up thing in my head sometimes like i even had one before we got on uh a call this morning where um you know it was a task i'm like oh man this is a big task for the day i'm like i think i'm gonna need a lot of time for it i only have 20 minutes before i gotta Mm -hmm. set up and talk to bryce and i don't know what i can get done but like just let me let me see and let me start moving before you know it i got 50 percent of what i need to kind of like hand off done and ready to roll reviewed whatever and that's a that's like an example of something i even tested with a client who is a dad uh he has two kids um works a full-time job in like a warehouse and you know has meetings has like the whole deal has his cubicle not is not happy right (laughs) in that job and has the had this idea with his wanting to start a podcast as a creative outlet, not even to make money, but just like, let me be able to like do this to feed my soul in some way. Cause mm-hmm. like my job's not doing it. Um, but maybe this can, but there's so much, I can't even describe to you like how much, um, paralysis there was around moving or taking action on any of this, despite like how much he wanted it. And the thing that really changed it was when we broke down what some of the barriers were, it was like, well, I don't have any like block of time that's an hour to sit down and record where like my kids aren't yelling or somebody needs something or uh, I'm at work or whatever. So we, and you know, not a space to record that's quiet. So um, we came up with like recording in his car. What would it be like to do voice notes in his car? That's such a great idea. I love that right? As a bare minimum, as a bare minimum. And then at his work, if he really wanted to, he had kind of this room that was like a conference room or something where you could go into and it was quiet. And uh, at times people weren't using it. There was already a mic actually in there. Mm. Um, So we came up with these little things that made both of us honestly realize that, oh, you have to like, instead of just spending time thinking about it when you have a pocket of time because i'm a big thinker and i like to organize it in my brain a lot of times and twirl it around a couple times before i actually get into it but instead of doing that if you can just kind of dive in because you already know what it is 
what you need to do. You might just be ruminating on the same item, but then you come back and you just begin. You prove to yourself that like, oh, I only had 10 minutes and I was able to start and stop this and move on to whatever else I had to do. Because most of us don't have an hour, two hours, three hours of uninterrupted time. It's more so 10 minutes or 15 or 20. And it's like pockets of those throughout the day. So it's really about like, in that time, do you scroll and do you watch something? Because I do a lot of that too. Or in that time, do I just go, okay, let me start and let me see kind of uh, what can happen in this 20 minutes. Um, I think and those that are if, really good, like actionables for people. You know, if I were to break down what you said, the big thing is, you know, problem solving. Okay. If mm -hmm. we don't have the ability to match our expectations, let's lower the expectations. Let's get the low hanging fruit. Let's get the ability to you know, have something that builds some momentum. We don't necessarily need the apple at the top of the tree. Let's get one of the lower apples, see what it tastes like. Let's start exploring a little bit. And then even if that exploration takes us in the wrong direction, perfect process of elimination. It's a data point now to understand, okay, that's not the right way. It's kind of like GEs in school. You know, when kids get out of high school and they're like, ah, oh, I'm not really sure what I want to do. It's like, all right, go try a fuck ton of things. And when you try a bunch of things, you're like, man, that thing really like piqued my interest. Uh, that made me come alive. It made me really fascinated. And then, oh man, that thing over there, I just like zoomed away from. It was almost like something that smelled bad and just, I, I want it, I want it out of there. Uh, the other thing that I think is super cool, and I feel like we harp on this a lot, which is the concept of if you want to eat an elephant, start with one bite at a time. Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting because... You know, I'm, I'm the quote guy. I'm the, I'm the optimistic, positive guy. I can say that, but it doesn't really stick, right? What are your thoughts around like creating true action around like aim low, start small, like pick something really, really tiny that enables you to build momentum other than just saying it, what enables that, that mindset to really take action? When people are like, yeah, yeah, I know, I just need to start the thing and then I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. They're like, I know that already. I'm like, okay, well, if you know it, how do we, how do we make it real? Like, what is the barrier to entry? What's the, what, what's the process of overcoming the resistance in order to move the needle in the right direction? From your experience, Ms. But what, what are your thoughts there? Because so many people know that, but then the actual like action and just the implementation of that, of that philosophy is really tough. It really is, man. It's, um, I want to say it's about, for me, at least it's about making it more casual. So the second it's up on a pedestal and it's this thing that's like, oh man, I, I don't feel good enough for this, or, oh, this is really important. This is going to change my life, change my career. It's like that type of fear. Either it's already kind of like there's resistance to starting because it's like a, oh man, there's a lot on the line, right? But if you can kind of make it more casual where it's like, okay, you know, this is just, I've done this before, right? Because like how many times are those tasks something that has already been done before? Like you have already actually done a lot of this stuff in some way. You've sent out an email before, you know, you, you've liked stuff on Instagram. You've sent someone a message before. You've gotten on the phone, like, there's not a lot of new, new, new things that you're 
doing that you have no experience in. And so reminding yourself of that sometimes um, is good. And the other thing is like break down the skill you want um, or the habit you're trying to create put your pieces together. Uh, you know, I know for me, let's use an actual example. I have this thing of creating, uh, like YouTube videos and, uh, like basically articles for Google and my website, right? It's something that not a lot of people are going to see. I don't promote it like, like, Oh, go check it out. Right. But I'm testing within those platforms to see what's coming specifically from there. When I do it and stay consistent, good things happen. When I don't, okay, still good things happen. It just slows down drastically. And I need to get myself to publish the video. The video is already sitting there. I have a lot of videos, right? Um, what's still preventing me from hitting upload or upload more frequently or hitting publish on my website because I have drafts sitting in Google Doc that, Google Doc that are already ready to go. They've, I've done keyword research on it. I've done all these different things. So it's really the fact that I'm seeing it as this big, like formal thing. It's not casual, but if I was to reverse engineer the task of the YouTube video, for example, it's one finding what video you want to post. Then it's maybe editing it or doing whatever you need to there. Then it's titling the video, right? Then there is, um, the thumbnail for the video, then there is possibly the description in the video, and then it's really, uh, publishing it. Right. So, because that is too vague, right? It's like, oh, design the thumbnail. Oh, um, edit the rough cut for the video. Break it down, add music to it, add captions, whatever it is. So the more you can reverse engineer and break something down, it's just a lot easier to be like, oh, if I have 10 minutes to spare, this subtask of finding the rough cut in this video to see like, oh, what's the five minute, 10 minute chunk roughly that I maybe want for this video I wanna publish. That can happen in 15 minutes possibly, right? But not just, hey, publish a whole YouTube video. It's like, ah, oh, my brain just already is like stressed from thinking about that, right? There's so much so, value as to what you just said. You know, the first thing that I really, really appreciate is make it more casual. Take, take the goal off the pedestal that's something that like it makes it feel really far away it makes it feel really heavy and really scary and then bleeds down into the anticipation i mean what's that that famous saying around you know anxiety and and anxiousness in the lead up is typically experiencing the thing twice because you're having it mm -hmm. in your head and then you're actually doing it and then when you do it you're like oh it really wasn't that bad and I, I feel like we've talked about it a lot on Human Evolution Project, which is you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And it's hard to make systems because mm -hmm. you know, we have those very vague, broad and inclusive things like, hey, I, I want to make a YouTube video. All right. Well, what does that process look like? You have the North Star. You describe YouTube video. Okay. I love that you describe reverse engineering it. You need the thumbnail. You need to make sure that, you know, the video is cut appropriately to fit into a certain time domain. You need to integrate the music. You need to integrate the captions. You need to make sure it's posted at appropriate time. There's a sequence of events, but you don't know what you don't know. And so in the beginning, that sequence may be jumbled, maybe a little bit chaotic, 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always describe in, in learning a new skill, we're all clusterfuck coordinators because it yeah. feels like everything's just like all over the place. And then over time, you start to realize, okay, okay, it's it's this first, this second. It's kind of like putting together IKEA furniture. You do it wrong, you tighten it too soon, it's screwed up, and then you have to undo it and then do it again. It's it's an annoying analogy, but then guess what? You you learn how to how to put things together over time through doing it wrong, and then optimizing the sequence. Ah, oh, this can actually go in this order versus that order, and then over time your systems become a little bit more seamless. And I don't know, I I, I poke a lot of the time at our education system and especially like math and science, because those were things I really leaned into a lot when I was in school. And math was always funny to me because when you first learn, you know, the sequence of math, you're like step by step by step by step, especially like algebraic equations. But then over Mm -hmm. time, you're like, I can actually remove that step. I can remove that step. I can just go on from here to like figure this out and then get the answer. But in the beginning, you need all the steps. And then over time, you can start to remove them as you become more efficient. So even though the usage of math or algebra may not be super relevant in most people's lives, the principle and the transferable skill is still there. And so I do see, you know, a lot of value in our in our education system as well, even though I uh, beat it up a little bit sometimes. Yeah, well, I think the the other part of what you're saying is like when you have fear address that fear with a system, right? So if I have this anxiety around, oh man, like what if I get a request for this video that I don't know how to do and it has this effect that is going to be required or somebody's going to ask at some point. And it actually did happen. Somebody asked me to do something. I'm like, wow, this is like a video, crazy video effects situation that I haven't worked on before. Figure it out later, man. Yeah. And I was honest. I was like, look, I haven't worked on this. Like if you don't have a time rush with this. Like I, I'm happy to, but uh, there probably is somebody who can do it faster. And because I said that, they were like, no, I, I want you to, there's no rush, like figure, you know, feel free to figure it out. But that's a variable, one of many, but you think about if you were prepared for that variable in some way where you're like, well, if something comes up that I don't know, I'm gonna go to YouTube or I'm gonna go to Google and I'm probably gonna search it and there's gonna be an article or two that I can actually go into and I very quickly download this information into my brain. And there is a video that my friend showed me of uh, Steve Harvey, where he's talking about how if you have five suits, right? Like tops, the jacket, the pants, the, the shirts, the ties, it's something ridiculous. Like it can make 111 different combinations of things, right? And he was breaking down how it all goes with each other. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, okay, so if you had five full suits, you've got, you know, you've got the pants, you've got the jacket, you've got the shirt, you've got maybe the shoes, and you've got the shirts, right? Or ties, whatever I didn't say yet. If you have that combo, there are only still so many variables. Okay, it's 100, 111, 120, but it's only so many. At a certain point, it kind of runs out where it's like, oh, this is somewhat predictable. So if you can get to a place where you've stress tested your system enough where you figured out like, oh, this is a variable. Oh, this is a variable. That's a variable. It's usually born out of problems. I mean, how do I know how to deal with some of this like annoying podcast stuff? It's because it's happened to me or has happened to somebody I know and I've had to deal with it. And then now I kind of know. And so 
I think if you put yourself in a position where you can study the variables, whether that's going through it with experience and testing it out, or even like there's enough information out there now where you could like write a list of all the different things you're afraid of with this skill. Oh man, like I'm afraid somebody's going to ask me this, or I don't know the answer to that. Okay. And then just work it out in your brain. Like what, where could I go? What would I do? Who would I ask to maybe figure this out? What do you think about that? I, I think that like quells a lot of common fears when you're just so overwhelmed in the beginning uh, with whatever it is, anxiety, stress, frustration, there's a lot going on. So anything you can do to uh, reduce that allows you to think a little bit more clearly, I think. Yeah, there, there, there's so many things that come to come to mind. You do such a good job like provoking my thought process. I love it. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, is sheer exposure. Um, you know, in relation to the suit, first put the suit on, see how certain things fit, see if you want shirt tucked in or, or untucked, see how you want to tie the tie. You know, do you want the jacket buttoned or unbuttoned? You want to roll up the, the pants? You want to leave them down? Um, th there's so many different things that you, you don't know the questions to ask until you just put the damn suit on. And, yeah. you know, I, th I think you just, the overarching theme for this concept of delayed gratification where we started the conversation today is you in order to learn you could read every book on the planet but you got to do it and i think there's there's a huge value to that and you know going back to our conversation around sales i think you personally will learn more from 10,000 sales calls or pitches or email outreaches than you will from any book because now you're you're learning how to upgrade your language, you're learning how to how to present, you know, whatever topic or pitch deck. You're learning how to read body language. Um, I had such a unique experience where I, I was pitching uh, one of the one of the podcasts that I do to a brand and I was getting all visionary and sharing stories and, and guests and outreach and where I'd like to go and how I think it can change the world. And I was lighting up out of passion. And then the dude was looking at me like, hmm. And then I paused for a moment and I'm like, man, this is a CFO, chief financial officer. He doesn't care about the Disney-like vision. Like I'm over here being, being a kid in a candy store and he, you know what he wants? He wants dollars and cents. He wants spreadsheets. <laughs> His yeah. brain operates at a different capacity. Well, I left that call like, dang, I really didn't have the tools in my toolbox to explore that level of conversation. But you know what? I learned from it and I went back to the drawing board and I went back to my team and I said, Hey, I want to learn this, this part of the business. I want to learn how to deliver this. And in the short term, I was very ill prepared, but I didn't view it as something that labeled my validation anymore. It was now I had the sheer courage to put myself out there and fail and made to feel and look like a fool in that moment. But man, did I learn from it. I'll make sure I'm, I'm more prepared next time. And I think a lot of us go into the day-to-day -day world, going back to your suit analogy, thinking, oh, what are people going to think? What are they going to look like? And what I'm about to say is going to be a little bit sad. But when my father passed away and I'm in the grave, I, I can't help but think most people live lives of quiet desperation. They have this thing that they want to do. They get pigeonholed doing this other thing that pays their bills. They get addicted to the comfort and as a byproduct, spend their entire life doing the thing that gives 
them money in their pocket versus the thing that makes their, their light shine. And when you think of it that way, it's like when you're at your funeral one day and if you were a bird observing that, that ceremony, there's going to be a eulogy. What are people going to say? But after, after that, they're probably going to start to move on over time. They're going to have different conversation. Your employer is probably going to end up replacing you. All these things that we place tremendous value on eventually disperse and dissipate. And that sounds a little bit depressing, but it's just the nature of the world. The world is going to move on. And Kobe said it best. We're just not that important. And so in the, in the meantime, knowing this in advance, it's like, man, when you get up to bat, swing that bat. Don't get up there thinking, I'm trying not to strike out. Get up there thinking, I'm trying to hit a motherfucking home run. And I think if you do that, man, you may fail, but you're going to have a really good story to tell. You're going to impact a lot of people. That's going to change that eulogy. And even though people are going to move on or your employer may replace you and things may change, there's still that little backlash of the story. Man, that, 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 that one person, as you described, Mizbah, that one person had that Elvis dust. They impacted my life. They operated at a frequency where I just wanted to be around them. They helped upgrade me. They helped upgrade everybody around them. And I felt really good in the process. People will forget what you did. They'll forget what you said, they never forget the way you made them feel. And I think through the process of, of going out there and just, like you said, staying in the ring a little bit longer, trying to pursue greatness, trying to explore those edges, that takes courage. That's brave. And I think that combination of Elvis dust allows people to seek edges and pursue their peak expression. And then it really doesn't matter the combination of the suit. Then the suit is just an accessory because the real person underneath that suit is full of Disney-like magic that can elevate the world. And so when I, when I hear you describe all these different things, my, my biggest bit of advice for people listening, go out and do the thing. You're going to fail. That's okay. Use that to upgrade your systems. Use that to data collect. Use that to keep learning. And in the pursuit of all these failed attempts, man, you're going to get better and man, you're going to learn a lot. And so that's kind of my two cents on, on some of our conversations today around delayed gratification that nobody cares. Just put yourself out there and just keep on trying. I mean, a little kid, when they're learning how to walk and they're like waddling, they're, they're not thinking, oh my gosh, what's grandma thinking as I'm trying to get you know my toy over there and waddling and falling on my face? They're thinking... I'm trying to get better at walking. I want to copy, you know, what I see the the adults do and I want to get this skill. And they just keep trying, keep trying. They might fall on their face, they might cry, but they're not thinking what what are these people thinking of me? They don't care. They just keep on trying. I think if we can kind of go back to those childlike roots, there's some cool things that that can evolve from that type of mindset. What are your thoughts on some of that? Yeah, it's it's hard to make real changes sometimes. I know for me, until you feel like a little bit of embarrassment, right? You're like, yeah. oh man, that that was stupid. Like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Um, mm -hmm. You know, like 
that feeling you had where the dude is just staring at you in that meeting, like gave you everything you needed to like not do that again. And next time, very quickly course correct, like what you need to flip. You're like, oh, that's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's like the biggest learning tool that you wouldn't ever have gotten any other way, probably in that same like in your face, let's make this happen in the next 24 hours. I now have a way to deal with that same exact type of pitch. Um, that trade-off comes with that feeling of embarrassment, sometimes shame, sometimes like uh, whatever, anger, all of those things. And I think if we can figure out a way to mitigate the embarrassment, it's like you're going to need to have a little bit of it because uh, I don't know, unless you're wired differently and can get really ahead of it, it, it's hard to, it's just human nature, but it's how do you mitigate it so that you don't have to experience so much embarrassment every single time to I learn the, the skill that you want to learn in relation to emotion. And that that's tough, right? Because, you know, I don't want to tell people to be extremely stoic all the time and just not feel emotion. I want people to feel it. I want people to acknowledge it. But you don't have to listen to every thought that you have and you don't have to give in to every emotion that you have. So you, you have an experience and you're feeling shame or embarrassment rather than playing to the narrative of I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this. Just be still. Just be in that for a little bit. Ask, why am, why am I feeling this way? What would have prevented me from feeling this way? What can I do in the future to make sure this doesn't happen again? And I, I think there's extreme value in that level of patience. But I don't know. I feel like the human mind is changing a little bit to, I don't want to feel this. I want the dopamine hit. I want to deflect, distract, and get out of this right now. And so then it's like, let me go scroll through something. Let me buy something and do some sort of retail therapy. I need a drink. Uh, I need to get out of this. I'm going to leave this situation. And I think through the sheer staying in the ring, I thought that was a great analogy by you. You just kind of be in it a little bit and explore what that feeling is. Like I go back to the childlike analogy. You touch something hot and you're like, oh, man, that, that, that's hot. I got to like feel that to know what that is. Otherwise, it's just ideation around like, yeah, that person tells me it's hot. I can kind of sort of feel the heat radiating from it, but I really don't know. Same game with cold, same game with, oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, that's frustrating. Oh, that makes me angry. Oh, that makes me sad. All of those different things kind of need to be felt and experienced, but they don't necessarily need to control us like a joystick in a video game. It can kind of just be like, okay, I'm feeling this way. Um, like you said, I, I've done a thousand calls and nobody called me back. I've, I've integrated emails. Nobody emailed me back. Maybe instead of just rushing to the bar or you know, lashing out at the people that aren't responding and doing something that we'll regret later, do exactly what you said. Hey, I'm just going to take a break from this right now. I'm going to step away. I'm going to reflect on. I'm just going to practice the art of stillness. And I'm going to try to d discuss with myself, how do, how do I do this better? Does my email headline have to be more attention grabbing? You know, am I not solving a problem for people? Am I emailing too frequently where I'm annoying? Um, you know, there's all these questions that you can ask, and maybe they're the wrong questions, but it's it's still growth. It's still trying. You're, you're sitting there trying to work through a problem, 
And, you know, you're trying to, through working through the problem, you're developing a system and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But in order to learn, you gotta, you gotta make those mistakes and then heal those feelings, you know? Well, it's also about maybe acknowledging that, hey, when I'm starting something new, chances are it's not good. Like, it's not going to be good for 50 episodes, 100 episodes, or 50 posts, or whatever the new thing is you're doing, 50 reps of this exercise. Chances are it's not as good as you think it is, right? And that's where the disconnection happens sometimes, where it's like, oh, I think it should be all the way up here, but it's like, well, you've only done six episodes and they're not, you know, they're good to you. They're great for maybe for your standards, but compared to the market, it hasn't uh, reached that level of great yet, right? Um, or maybe that you one day even foresee for yourself. Like I know for me, it's like that it happens in so many things that I've done and I, I I'm human. I do care what other people think and don't want to look stupid as well and want to nail it every time. But there is almost a level of like, okay, I'm willing to look somewhat stupid for the next year or two with this. And if I can do that, if I can like kind of sit through that discomfort, then chances are something good will actually come out of it. Cause there's no way if you actually did something a hundred times and you did improve a little bit each time, you're like, Oh, okay, this isn't great yet, but okay, this is getting a little bit better. It's getting there. My headlines are getting better. There's no way if you did took a hundred attempts at something thoughtfully and consistently you would improve. It's just, um, and the way you describe you know, that is great because it sounds casual. Just go try it a hundred times. It sounds like, yeah. oh yeah, no big deal. You know, obviously within that fluff is, is challenge. But the other thing that's really interesting is uh, going back to the exposure element. If you're just doing something, you know, let, let's use a podcast, for example, and you're just recording on your own, you may finish and like feel really proud. Like, man, that was awesome. Like that fit my standards. I'm super good. But then you, you go to a podcast um, exhibition or, or, or some sort of seminar and you start seeing other people do it. It's like you don't know what you don't know. So now through through sheer comparison, you're like, oh, man, I thought I was good, but I've been kind of in my humble bubble. I got out of my bubble, and now I'm realizing, you know, how good other people are, and they're not even, you know, the best. And you start realizing, you know, what else is out there, what else is possible. And the thing that I want to suggest to people that I, that I recently integrated, hire a coach. Because yes, you can expose yourself in certain things, but like mentors, coaches, uh, people that have done it, um, or people that really study the craft and, and, and have implemented strategies with others and with themselves, they can absolutely help like guide you through certain levels of resistance. And you've absolutely done that for me in the podcast space, like empowered me to just start and make a lot of mistakes and you know, then given humble suggestions like, hey, man, why don't you try this instead of this? And I'm very slow and stubborn in the pursuit of, of implementing certain things. But I love how patient you are with me. I also recently hired, hired a coach for fitness and for my coaching development. And I go into those things. And sometimes in the very first session, it was tough because like you feel the judgmental eyes like, oh, there's so much expectation and pressure. And I, I hired him to help me with things that 
you know, I, I've missed jumping and doing explosive things and med ball throws and things that are not quantified in CrossFit, but are really fun. They're really cool things to help with staying athletic as we get older as humans. And man, I'm terrible at them. I'm doing single leg jumps and I can't like stick on one leg. I'm doing like explosive banded squats and bo certain box jump variations. And I'm such a white belt. But what's crazy is going back to feeling like a white belt. Now it's upgrading my brain. I'm like, oh, this is how other people feel when they're relatively inadequate at a new skill. I'm learning how to appropriately communicate to them because I can feel what they feel. Oh, when my body language looks disappointed when they can't get the skill, that actually is very hurtful to their experience. Let me change that and upgrade that personally. So it's twofold. It's like I'm learning as an athlete. I'm learning as a human. I'm learning as a coach. But if I didn't expose myself to certain levels of resistance and say, okay, I don't have the ability to do this on my own. I need to ask for help. And then those people can push or pull you along appropriately and deconstruct some of your choices or validate your choices to then help you enhance the skill and the efficiency of skill acquisition. So you're not just practicing the art of insanity and doing the same thing over and over again. And so I, I highly recommend coaches, mentors, people that can help kind of guide or, or create a little bit of a blueprint or pathway for you to, to enhance. I know this is like why I hire other coaches and it's really cool because coaching is becoming a thing that's not just in fitness or nutrition or something like that anymore. It's something in every industry, like you're just teaching me how to do this. I mean, we even have that for Apple devices, right? Go to the genius bar, get coached on how to use your iPad and, and get familiar with your system. Um, getting to a place where you can put yourself, you know, consistently to get, uh, I, okay, here's what I'm trying to say. If you can hire somebody as a coach, inherently their job without them even realizing it, or uh, they're already probably doing this is to make things less emotional for you. Right? So all of a sudden when you're talking to me, maybe about podcasting and I've done it a couple times where I make this very complicated issue that you're dealing with sound very like, Oh, it's just this one switch. You, you didn't have turned on Just switch that. Right. Um, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, okay. I feel a little bit more calm. I thought my whole week was ruined. I thought I wasn't going to be able to figure this out. And I did same thing when, you know, you're scared about, you know, your taxes, did you do this right or that? And then it's like, you talk to your accountant and they're like, Oh yeah, no big deal. I, I got you. Don't worry about it. Thanks for letting me know. Like, oh, okay, that, that's what I like. Your job is to just you're taking in my emotion and and spitting it back out is just like, oh yeah, this is like what I do, what I deal with. And I've done this before. And so it's a very, especially in the beginning, when you feel so like, am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right track? Uh, you know, you're you're really overthinking things. I mean, I had a lot of that in, you know, my first attempt at online business or coaching. Um, you know, before it even worked, it's like, you don't know, know if what you're doing is the right thing, even if you've consumed courses, right? So there's a difference between like reading a book, consuming a course and all that, watching a video on it, a Google search versus like me talking to you or you helping me in some way personally, where even if it's through a message, you're like, 
okay, I, I feel validated that like, I'm not crazy. This is applicable to my situation. It's not just this video that's applicable to everybody. Uh, there, there's that part is invaluable because remember, we just talked about in a new skill, a lot of what's holding us back is usually that emotion, right? That mindset of it's it, a lot of stuff is there that's just preventing us from even starting and doing the thing. So a coach really does help in any category of whatever you want to improve at uh, to to help bypass a lot of those hurdles, which is why, you know, we all want to move faster, right? There, there's only so fast that you can grow your biceps or you grow your triceps. But like, okay, if you are making less errors and you're doing more of the right things and you're doing them quicker, in theory, that will happen faster, right? It's a way to speed up the process a little bit. Uh, and so coaches know that uh, in whatever craft you are hiring them in, they know how to speed up, they know how to slow down, they know how to realistically tell you, hey, based on what you're doing, what you want is realistic or it's not. My one client, we had, uh, we hired like a posing coach to help him with his bodybuilding show. And, you know, there's some things that even we're both nervous about a little bit like, oh, is he doing the right thing? I don't know. And then it's like, he talks to the, and then the posing coach is just one look at him can go, oh, this is what you need to do. Yep. It's just this, this, and this. And it's like super simple stuff, but, and stuff we already knew and thought of, but hearing it from him, because maybe he's done it 10 times or a hundred times or whatever it is gave a little vote of confidence, like, all right, cool, we can relax. Like, that's why we hire you is to let us relax a bit. So I'm with you on that, man. Hire a coach. Um, it, it will make your life a lot easier in whatever you're starting. And you don't need them forever. That's the other thing. It's like, there's seasons and you might need them in the beginning. And then you can, you know, uh, go venture out on your own for a bit. Totally, man. This was a lot of fun. We got to press record every time. It's always so I know cool. you never like, know what will something... come out. Yeah, for sure. And and it's just different, right? Like you and I do a really good job of creating deliverables for others. And sometimes when we're dissecting it just of our own nuances and trying to make things less emotional for ourselves, it's like, man, these are great value adds for other people too. So it's it's always a pleasure to connect. Today was super cool to discuss delaying gratification, creating systems behind the scenes and using transferable skills in different arenas in order to to really help people mindset chunk and break down big things into smaller little bits to build momentum, increase their ability to to share their light with the world. And uh, yeah, man, today was today was really, really cool. I learned a lot. Another couple pages and notes of learning over here for me around that concept of, uh, you know, taking things off the pedestal and really reverse engineering them from the North Star. I think I think you delivered a lot of really good value today. And guys, if you're listening, I hope you enjoyed this. There's a lot of things that you can apply to your life. And if you're enjoying it, give us a shout out on, on Instagram. Give us a review down below. And, uh, you know, hit that subscribe button. It's always really fun to to connect with a larger audience and, and share some of the things that I think others are going through as well. And, you know, we can kind of spitball back and forth and, and learn and evolve together. Thanks so much for hanging out and we'll see you next time.